I am a hetero homo thespian pansexual lover of many. <laughs> Give her to none because I receive because I'm lazy. <laughs> Welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And, and we're, we're unsupervised. unsupervised. You're so, like, theatrical with it. Right? It's like it's in my blood. I'm having uber panic attack that I've covered this topic before. I guarantee you, you have not. Let's hope not. Because <laughs> I feel like I have. And also, my notes are a couple weeks old, so we're just going to go with it. And see where the wind takes us. Oh, okay, let's do it. I also have eight pages. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, well, you know, it's fine. I'm preparing myself. <clears throat> Brynhild Paulsdatter Sorsteth. I feel like you <laughs> wrote your notes in the wrong language. <laughs> <laughs> or I just awoke some beast somewhere. Uh, Brynhild was born November 11th, 18... 18- now I feel like I'm over enunciating. <laughs> Is it Brunhilde or Brunhilde? Brynhild. B-R-Y-N-H-I-L-D. All right. That's a fun name. Was born November 11th, 1859 in Selbu, Norway. I don't think that's right, but I'll roll with it. Selbu? Selbu? true. Big summer blowout. <laughs> <laughs> In Big Summer Blowout, Norway. Her parents were Paul Peterson Sorstedt and Barrett Olsdatter. Those are very Norwegian names. Uh-huh. You know, appropriate since she was born in Norway. Mm-hmm. She was the youngest of eight children. Not a whole lot's really known about her growing up because, you know, 1860s. But in 1877, when she was about 18, she was attending a county dance. Okay. And no one knew at the time, but she was with child. She was attacked by a man because she did not um, return his advances. And he kicked her in the stomach, which caused her to miscarry. No. And the man was never prosecuted. No, Ashley. Why would you do this? Because it kind of sets up her life. Okay, I don't like that at all. No, it's not good. Um, And everybody around her said that after that, she kind of started to change. She went from just being, you know, a normal teenage girl to kind of shy, quiet, reserved, withdrawn. Valid. Trauma. (sighs) Um, However, karma or maybe other things, the man who attacked her passed away shortly. And after, uh, shortly after the attack, the cause of his death was listed as stomach cancer. But she can't cause stomach cancer. No, but also in, you know, the 1800s, they really couldn't yeah. decipher a whole lot. But it was listed as stomach cancer. So after the loss of her baby, she decided she was going to um, go work for a very wealthy family where her sister worked. Um, she worked with them for three years, and her and her sister, Nellie, were able to save up enough money to move to the United States. Welcome, Nellie and Broomhilda. Not Broomhilda. <laughs> Broomhilda. Brynhild. Brynhild. Okay. 
Uh, but when she immigrated to the United States, she took a job as a servant and took on the more quote unquote American name of Belle. I like Broomhild. Right? So in 1884, Belle married mm-hmm, Mads Dietlov, Anton Sorensen. Dietlov, like Dietlov's pass? But it's not. Okay. <laughs> Dietlev, Dietlov, I don't know. Norwegian names are not easy for Americans. No, but teach me. Uh, They got married in Chicago, Illinois, and two years later, they opened a confectionery store. Mm. The business, however, was not very successful, and within a year of opening, the shop mysteriously burned down. Oh, no. They collected their insurance, and they were able to pay for a home. So there's mixed reviews on whether they did or didn't have children together, but... Some reports state that they did have four children, Carolyn, Axel, Myrtle, and Lucy. Oh, those are fun. Right? I love the name Axel. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool little boy name. Caroline and Axel did die in infancy mm-hmm. of acute colitis. Not 100% sure what that is, but they the symptoms are nausea, diarrhea, abdomen pain, cramping, these can also be symptoms of poisoning. Stomach cancer st- type stuff. Yeah. <gasps> I don't like Broomhilda anymore. <laughs> I don't like her. Take your cool name back to Norway. I don't want any part of this. You know my hard rules are kids. I know, but we don't know for sure what happened to them. Broomhilda. No, it was acute colitis. Okay. If it ends up being her, I'm going to kick you. Both of their lives were insured. Oh. And the couple was able to uh, get a payout when they passed away. Sorensen, her husband, died on July 30th, 1990. On the day, on the one day that two life insurance policies overlapped for him. Wow, girl. (laughs) You're not even trying to hide it anymore. Um, the first doctor immediately said that he thought that he was suffering from strychnine poisoning. But the Sorensen family doctor said that he had been treating him for an enlarged heart and concluded the death had been caused by heart attack or heart failure. Damn. Was she uh, blinking the doctor on the side to get him to say that? Or maybe she was like, hey, two life insurance policies. I'm just saying. And an autopsy wasn't done because the family doctor that had been treating him for so long. Yeah. Assumed that the cause of death wasn't suspicious. By the way, I just recently, and I am 33 years old into weird shit, and I should have known this before, just recently found out that, like, when people die, they don't all get autopsies. No. Didn't know that. No, usually the family requests them or they suspect foul play. Are yeah. usually the only two times that they're... I just assumed everybody got one. No. I was like, damn, morticians have, like, their hands full. <laughs> It's not morticians who do the autopsy. <laughs> no. What would it be? It's the, um, there's a special name the for it. Autopser? <laughs> who does Professional. Yeah, there we go. Who performs? You know what's really sad? I'm thinking of the Bob's Burgers episode where they're like, when you say autopsy. County coroner. Oh. Coroner. Coroner is it. Or pathologist. 
Eh, not as exciting as mm-hmm. I hoped it was. Anyway, Belle told the doctor that she had also been giving her late husband medicinal powders to help make him feel better. And she applied for the insurance money the day after the funeral. Girls got stuff to do. Lots of things. Big stuff. A lot of Sorensen's relatives claimed that Belle had poisoned her husband to collect on insurance. And records suggest that an inquest was ordered, but there's no record showing if one of them was actually done. Like I said, the family doctor was like, no, we don't need to do an autopsy. He had a heart attack. Yeah. We don't know what actually came out to be of that, but the insurance did pay out about $8,500, which is about $285,000 today. I mean, that is a lot of money. Not worth the life of someone, though. I can't imagine he was a very doting husband in the 1900s. I am changing my beneficiary status real quick. (laughs) The godmother does not get the money. (laughs) The money. Uh, She used the money to buy a farm on the outskirts of LaPorte, Indiana in 1901. As she was preparing to move from Chicago to LaPorte, she became reacquainted with a recent widower, Peter Gunnis. I think I know this lady. Oh. Oh, the light the bulb just... Hild didn't give it away? N- no. <laughs> no, it did not. They were married in Laporte on April 1st, 1902, and just one week after the ceremony, he died. No. No? The daughter <gasps> died while alone in the house with Belle. Oh. Um, in 1902, Peter himself was met with a tragic accident. According to Bell, he was reaching for his slippers next to the kitchen stove when he was scalded with brine. Oh, no. Later, she declared that, in fact, a part of a sausage grinding machine fell from a high <laughs> shelf, causing a fatal head injury. That's not funny. That is not funny. It's funny. <laughs> he fell into my knife. He ran into my knife ten times. Oh, no. <laughs> she would have been great in Chicago. <laughs> she just left Chicago. <laughs> I meant that. I know. The important Chicago. So a year later, Peter's brother, Goost, came and got his oldest daughter, Swan Hild. Oh. And took her back to Wisconsin with him. Good. Because her mama's got some issues. Stepmama. But, Yes. She is reported to be the only child that survived living with Belle. Belle can fuck right off. Her husband's death earned her another $3,000, so like another $250,000, ish So a lot of locals obviously didn't believe that he would die from being burned by brine or having a sausage machine fall on his head. Yeah. Because he had been a pretty self-sufficient farmer, um, a hog farmer, and an experienced butcher. So he's worked with all of these equipment. He's been around all of this. Like, he wasn't the type that would just like, whoopsie-daisy, sausage machine. Yeah, you kind of need to get to know your husbands before you plot their murders in a (laughs) sausage (laughs) machine accident. Yeah. Like, if he's been working with sausage machines his whole career, maybe not choose one of those. I mean, but it fell from a high shelf. He never was a carpenter. She So maybe she thought she could pull off like he hung a shelf really wet. <laughs> he hung a shelf really bad and put a heavy sausage machine on it. True. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. So his brother convinced the coroner to look into the matter. Good. 
Um, meanwhile, the daughter that was taken away was overheard confessing to a classmate, quote, my mama killed my papa. She hit him with a meat cleaver and he died. Don't tell a soul. Oh, kids, man. She was brought before the coroner, but denied ever saying anything. I mean, a kid. She's scared for her life. Right? Damn. And, I mean, if you saw your mom do that to your dad, like, you're probably wondering what she would do to you, mm-hmm. so. And this is the only surviving child, so. Yeah. A little terrified. Belle, however, was able to convince the coroner that she was totally innocent. Make I'm make so innocent. innocent. Look at my boobs be my next victim. <laughs> Sorry. It might work for me. (laughs) I haven't gotten a good look, but it could happen. (laughs) However, it was never mentioned during the trial that she was pregnant, which could have inspired sympathy. But in May of 1903, a baby boy, Philip, joined the family. No, Philip, no. In uh, late 1906, she told neighbors that her foster daughter had gone away to a Lutheran college in Los Angeles. No. Uh, That's the last that she was ever heard of. Between 1903 and 1906, Belle ran the farm by herself, but in 1907, she employed a farmhand, Ray Lamphere, to help with the happenings around the property. So around the same time after she hired uh, Ray to help out around the farm, she placed the following advertisement in the Chicago Daily Newspapers. Personal, comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in LaPorte County, Indiana. Desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided, with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with a personal visit. Triflers need not apply. Ooh, triflers need not apply. Right? Could you imagine, like, the tender profile? Like, bitch, I'm loaded. I will not see any uh, scrubs. Please bring your money to me. No. I don't want no scrubs. Let me clarify. A scrub is a guy who can't get no love from me. Hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride, trying to holler at me? No. <laughs> I don't want no scrub. And soon. So, of the multiple people who responded to this art- article, ad? Advertisement. Mm, post? This is not Facebook. To this advertisement. To this Tinder profile. <laughs> was John Moe, who came from Elbow Lake, Minnesota. Does he have Moe money? (laughs) (laughs) Moe millionaire. (laughs) He brought more than $1,000 with him to pay off her mortgage. Jesus, it was Moe money. Moe money. But like, she got Moe money (laughs) from killing a bunch of people. He doesn't know that. That's true. At least that's the story that was going around to all the neighbors mm-hmm. when Belle told him that it was her cousin and he was coming to help her out after she so tragically lost her husband. What was me? Oh, Lordy. Ah, uh, but he disappeared within a week of his arrival. Shocker. What? Next was George Anderson from Tarkio, Missouri, who, uh, just like a lot of her former callers, was from Norway. Oh, During dinner with Anderson, she brought up the issue of her mortgage. Hmm. Poor Belle. My husband's gone and I'm trying to take care of our children and the farm. And the hogs. The hogs. And the sausage machine. Watch out for that sausage machine. (laughs) I mean, 
just come sit in front of our fancy sausage machine. Ignore the wonky shelf. My husband was not a carpenter. <laughs> Where's this accent coming I don't know. She's southern now. She's not. She's Norwegian. I can't do a good Norwegian accent. I default Ooh. to southern. <laughs> okay. Uh, so they're having dinner. She brought up her mortgage. Oh, woe is me. I'm a southern Swedish woman. <laughs> in fact, I'm neither of those things. But you don't know because you're about to die. Uh, I don't know what was happening, but basically he said that he'd pay it off if he'd marry her. You know, as you do. I mean, this is the late 1800s, so. Uh, Early 19s now. Early 19s? This is like 1907 or 08 when she posted about the triflers and the scrubs. How old is she now? All the way up to the top. She's gotta be like. She was born in 59. Oh, okay. So she's only like 40. Yeah. Oh, God. So he said, yeah, I'll pay off your mortgage, bitch. Just let me put a ring on it. I don't even know what's happening right now. Later that night, he said he awoke to her standing over him, holding a candle in her hand with a strange, sinister expression on her face. Oh, why do I keep going Southern? I don't know. It's in our blood. What do people from Indiana sound like? Don't you know? (laughs) That's Midwestern. That's Canada. Once she realized she was caught, she ran from the room, and Anderson fled the house. However, the suitors kept coming. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. Except for Anderson, because he was like, Bobbage. Well, yeah, and her helper's still around, correct? Yeah, for now. He is still there. He is there. So around this time, she started having huge trunks delivered to her house. Clyde Sturgis was the delivery man. And he remarked that he delivered so many trunks to her house, and he didn't know how the heavyset woman would lift these enormous trunks like, quote, a box of marshmallows, tossing them onto her wide shoulders and carry them into the house. So that's another thing, is Belle Gunness was a well-set woman. She was not a dainty, oh no, I can't do this by myself kind of lady. Like, she could hold her own. She ran a farm by herself. Yeah. Pretty much. She knew how to toss hogs around. she grew up working. Like, she worked on a farm. She's always been, like, a servant. She's always been Mm self-sufficient. She was not a dainty little, oh, woe is me. I can't Mm -hmm. pick up this heavy sausage machine. No, the sausage machine was put up there by her not-so-great carpenter husband. And she couldn't get it off of him, so he died. Mm -hmm. He ran into my sausage machine ten times. (laughs) (laughs) She often kept all the shutters in the house closed, and lots of people who were traveling by at night saw that she was digging in the hog pens an awful lot. Look, doesn't matter day or night, those hogs need to be taken care of. Right, and by digging trenches. Yeah, you gotta have food trenches. Don't have the nice little wooden ones that they can, like, hang out of. Yeah, eat out of, dig holes in the ground, and just throw the food in there. That's not very nice to the The schlop. Or bodies. I mean, you got to get rid of the body somehow. (laughs) Or dig holes to dump the bodies in so the parts that they don't eat can easily be covered up. Mm -hmm. Next was Old B. Budsberg. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. He was an elderly widow from Wisconsin, and he was last seen alive at the Laporte Savings Bank on April 6, 1907, when he mortgaged his Wisconsin land and signed over a deed and obtained several thousand dollars in cash. Hmm. His sons, Oscar and Matthew, had no idea that their father had even gone off to visit Bill. And when they finally discovered his destination, they wrote to her. She promptly responded, saying she had never seen their father. 
no idea who this person was. Oh, that's not good. No. Something tells me we're not going to like her by the end of this. No. But also, I mean, get that paper, honey. No, do not. <laughs> Look, normally I'm on board, but you hit one of my hard no's. No, we 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 don't like her. Okay, good. Um, between 1906-1907, several other men visited and never left. And in December of 1907, Andrew Helgelin nailed it. He was a bachelor from Aberdeen, South Dakota, and he he wrote to her and was warmly received. Of course, the pair exchanged many letters until a letter that overwhelmed Helgelin was received dated January 13th, 1908. This is the letter. I feel like, insert music here. Yeah, I'm not good at that, so. (laughs) 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 To my dearest friend in the world that I've been talking to for a month. Did he write that? No. Word for word. (laughs) No. To my dearest friend in the world, no woman in the world is happier than I am. I know that you are now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. It does not take one long to tell when you like a person, and you I like better than anyone in the world. I know. Think of how we will enjoy each other's company. Wink. (laughs) You, the sweetest man in the whole world, we will be all alone with each other. Can you conceive of anything nicer? I think of you constantly when I hear your name mentioned, and this is when one of the dear children speak of you. I hear myself humming it with words of an old love song. It's beautiful music to my ears. My heart beats in wild rapture for you. My Andrew, I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. Oh, that's pretty poetically sweet. (laughs) (laughs) She warns you, dude. I mean, she laid it all out there. I don't condone this, but you were warned. So after he received the letter, he ran to be with his beautiful Belle in January of 1908. Would you say he ran to be with his Belle of a Belle? Beauty of a Belle. Belle is beautiful in French. But they're Norwegian, so they don't know that. Keep going. (laughs) With him, he brought a check for $2,900, which was all of his savings. Jesus. And after a few days of his arrival, he and Gunnis appeared at the savings bank and deposited the check. Dun dun dun! He vanished. Shocker. And Bell appeared at the savings bank to make a five hundred dollar deposit and another deposit of seven hundred dollars into the state bank. So it was around this time that we started having some problems. Did the little Ray? Oh no! Little Ray Lampier. He was deeply in love with Bell. Yeah, that's why he helped her out. Yeah, he would help her with any chore. But. He didn't have the money, honey. But he would help her. But she needs so that money, was, honey. He was helpful to have around because he would help her with any chore. Like, you know, killing and burying bodies. And feeding the hogs and fixing the shelf, the wonky shelf <laughs> that the sausage machine was on. He became started to become jealous. And he would begin to make scenes whenever new suitors would arrive. So, in February of 1908, she fired him. No. But also, like, maybe that wasn't the best idea. Yeah, no shit. Like, maybe you should have just killed him. 
but that's okay. So, I mean, I feel like it's good that she didn't because that's going to bring around the end to the story. Shortly after she let him go, she went to the courthouse and said that he was a menace to the public and not in his right mind. And she was able to convince the local authorities to have a sanity hearing. Lamphia, however, was pronounced sane because he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, as sane as somebody who would help murder people. I, mean, I don't know that he murdered them. He was just kind of like, uh, who's the guy from Rocky? I've never watched any of the Rockies, so I don't. Rocky know. Horror. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Forgot I was with my theater. <laughs> We're not talking Sylvester Stallone. I, is that who does Rocky? Yes. I am the tiger. We're thinking, touch me. Who's the. I want to feel dirty. What is his name? The guy with the long blonde hair. With the hump. Yeah. He just he's in love with Dr. Frankenfurter and would do anything for love, but he won't do that. Meatloaf. It is no. not that character. <laughs> it is not. Um basically so her and Lamphere went back and forth and he Riff Raff. Riff Raff. Thank you. You're welcome. He would come back to the farm basically pleading her to take him back, that he would do anything to help her. She would send him away. She would go to the police saying that he was trespassing and threatening them. She was basically trying to get him locked up and make it seem like he was crazy so that if he decided to say something, nobody they would, would think it. Yeah, smart. So Lamphere would make threats. And on one occasion, he confided to a local farmer that, quote, Helgeline won't bother me no more. We fixed him for keeps. <gasps> Uh-oh. bum. And everybody in the town thought that he had just left, like a lot of her suitors did. So nobody really thought much about it. But a few weeks later, his brother, I read it as Isle, A-S-L-E, Aslyle, Asley. It'd be like Isle of whatever, I would imagine, like an aisle. You go to an aisle. That's an aisle. What did you say it was? A-S-L-E. I pay attention. I'm going to still say aisle. Okay. Of course, when he failed to come home or returning of returning return any of his communications, he got suspicious and wrote to Guinness to say, WTF me? Where's exactly. my brother? And she said that he was no longer at the farm and decided to go back to Norway to visit with relatives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always like, yeah, no. no. That's not something that you do. You know, no. just go to Indiana and then you're like, from here, hop, skip, and a jump. I'm just going to hop in and see what grandma's up to. So she told him that if he wanted to come out and look for his brother, she'd help conduct a search. But that's a very expensive thing to get involved in. So you probably just accept the fact that he went back to Norway and leave me alone. Oh, that's not suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be <laughs> suspicious. But I was like, no, I'm coming. I'm going to find my brother. She's like, okay, cool. I'll help you, but you have to pay me. I mean, he was going to come, but he would not be able to get there until May. So she went to the lawyer, M.E. Leiter, and said that she feared for her life and that of her children, that he was making threats that he was going to come and find her because he couldn't find his brother. And M.E. Leiterhusen said, okay, let me, like, pull up my Leiterhusen and I'll help you. <laughs> me Leiter? That's exactly what he did. 
because she said that in case he went through with his threats and between Isle and Ray, that she was terrified that something was going to happen to her, she wanted to make sure her will was up to date. Hmm. Lederhosen was like, you know, smart lady. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Let's fix that up for you. She left her entire state to her children and she left the office. She went to one of the local banks holding the mortgage for her property and paid it off. So she hired a new farmhand when she let go of Ray, and his name is Joe Maxson. And he awoke in the early hours of April 28th, 1908, smelling smoke in his room, which was on the second floor of the Gunness house. Mm. He called out to Belle and the surviving children, but got no response. And he slammed the door shut and jumped from the second story window. He raced to town to get help, but by the time that anybody was able to arrive, the, the house, house was, was pretty gone. Much gone. Four bodies were found inside of the home. The children? Yep. One of the bodies was that of a woman who could not be identified as Gunness because she had no head. Oh. And no head was ever found. Oh. We know who the other bodies are. Oh, so she staged it to look like she had died. Mm-hmm. So she can skip town. And because of everything she had been reporting about the two guys that were coming after her, they assumed that it was either Isle or right oh so she is an evil genius <laughs> <gasps> i just remembered the end of this wow oh yeah with everybody saying that she had come to them about this person or that person they assumed that somebody had come after her and had burned the house down and killed the family in there so at the moment that the local sheriff confronted ray he came running up and said, did Widow Gunness and the kids get out all right? And he was told about the fire and he denied having to do anything with it and apparently like lost it, like broke down that he, yeah. he thought that they had passed. A young boy came up and said that he saw Ray starting the fire and Ray said, you wouldn't look me in the eye and say that. The young boy said, yes, I will. You found me hiding in the bushes and you told me you'd kill me if I didn't get out of there. Oh, that, along with the allegations that Bell had already made, did cause Ray to be arrested. Mm. So the body of the headless woman became quite a concern because a lot of her neighbors were like, mm, doesn't quite match up. That's not Bell. They, like I said, she was not a small woman by any state of the imagination, and the corpse would have stood about five foot three inches and probably weighed no more than 150 pounds. Oh, yeah, that's not... Belle no. was recorded to be at least 5'8", and anywhere between 180 and 200 pounds. I mean, fire burns off a lot. It can. So, like, things shrink in fire. Maybe the bone shrunk a little bit. Maybe the frame just... Okay, maybe I could have gone with you on the weight thing. Didn't we learn that, like, no ordinary fire could actually get hot enough to affect in the cremation episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that, but it doesn't mm-hmm. align with what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say here, so I'm ignoring it. So when everybody started saying, like, yeah, that's probably not her, they did take um, measurements of the body to the local dress shop where she had all of her clothing tailored, and they were nowhere near mm. what her measurements would have been. Not that smart, evil genius. ha <laughs> Yeah, shut up. Oh, no. He's going to come after me. We have very similar measurements. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) Oh, no! 
Oh, ooh, what if I was Bill Goodness in a past life? <gasps> oh, that would explain a lot of things. I, no, I wouldn't be your best friend, and I am, so you're not. I'm fat. I like money. <laughs> Killing people I'd probably have a problem with, but maybe I got it all out of my system. Would explain your fascination. I'm Brunhild. I'm Brunhilda. So this body did have an autopsy, one of the lucky few apparently, and her organs contained lethal doses of strychnine. Stomach cancer. She died of stomach yeah. cancer. So on May 19th, Isle Helgeline arrived in Laporte and immediately brought reports to the sheriff that he believed that his brother was murdered Was murdered or disappeared at her hands. Then Joe, the new farmhand, came forward and told sheriff that Gunnis had ordered him to bring a loads of dirt by wheelbarrow to a large area surrounded by a high wire fence for the fog... The fogs were hid. <laughs> to bring loads of dirt by wheelbarrow to a large area surrounding a high wire fence where the hogs were fed. He said there were many deep depressions in the ground that had been covered by dirt. These, Gunnis told Maxon that these contained rubbish and she wanted the ground made level, so he filled in the depressions. Mm-hmm. Dozens of men went back, and on May 3rd, 1908, the unearthed body of her adopted or excuse me, her foster daughter, Jenny Olson, was found. They also found the bodies of two unidentified children. The body of Andrew Helgenstein was unearthed. And as the days progressed, lots of other things were found. Like? Like. uh, And this list is straight off of Murderpedia. Okay. Olby Bunstead, Thomas Linbo, and this has descriptions of who they were and what they did, but we're not going to... So, Obi Bunstead, Thomas Linbo, Henry Gerdholt, Olaf Svenherd, John Moe, Olaf Lindblom, William Mingay, Herman Konitzer, Charles Edmund, George Berry, Christy Hilkven. You're killing it with the Norwegian names. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Charles Nyberg. He's Scandinavian. <laughs> John McJunkin, nailed it. American. <laughs> Olaf Jensen, Norwegian. Henry Bzg. Pretty sure. B I Z G E. Okay. Bert Chase. Tons Peterson. A gold ring marked with S B, May 28, 1907. <gasps> A hired man named George Bradley. T J Tyfe. Flint, Frank Reedland, M. Tell, Lee Porter, Jesus. John E. Hunter, two other bodies, uh, oh, Pennsylvanians, but we're not going into that. George Williams of <laughs> Wapawallapin. <laughs> Nailed it. Wapawallapin, Pennsylvania. <laughs> George Williams and Ludwig Stoll, Abraham Phillips, Benjamin Carling, Augustus Gunderson, Ole Olison. Uh, Lindener Nicholson, Andrew Anderson, Joanne Sorison, and a possible think uh, possible victim. Yeah, it says a possible victim was a man named Hinkley, but remains were found, and they are, believe it was tied to a man with the last name Hinkley. But 
You could do an entire podcast listing off her The people that were found on her property? Yes. Yeah. It's insane. And then there are also reports of unnamed people who went missing, who they believe Mm -hmm. may have ended up at her hands, um, but they don't have enough information to know if they exactly went to her farm or anything. So there are one, two, three, four, five uh, people who they believe could have met their fate by her as well. Wow. But they didn't find any remains or anything that would have led them back to them. Yeah. So a good portion of the remains couldn't be properly identified, but based on the evidence that they had and the what they were able to put together, they put together the list. Gunnis was, for several decades, seen or sighted in cities and towns throughout the United States. Uh, she has been believed to have been seen on the streets of Chicago and San Francisco, New York, and Los Angeles. And as late as 1931, she was reported alive and living in a Mississippi town where she owned a great deal of property. Mm. Anybody ever dig up that property? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. should look into that. So the local sheriff for over 20 years received an average of two reports a month. Stating that they had seen her somewhere. Jesus. She became part of um, this quote from, again, Murderpedia said she became part of American criminal folklore, a female bluebeard. Who's bluebeard? Paul Bunyan. <laughs> he had an ox. And it an was axe. blue. Oh, that's where I'm getting the ox's <laughs> name was blue. I don't know. Bluebeard is French folktale. Uh, the most famous surviving version is not important to this. <laughs> okay, basically it's a French folktale of a guy, a wealthy man, in the habit of murdering his wives and the attempts of one wife to avoid the fate of her predecessors. Okay, um, so basically nobody really knows what actually happened to her. People are kind of divided that she was killed by Ray or that she faked her own death and disappeared. How can you be divided? She faked her own death and disappeared. Obviously. A lot of people think that Ray, because of the stuff that came up after the house burned down and people were saying that he was crazy and that he was running around saying all of these things about her after the fire burned down. So it's a lot of people think that he did play a hand in it. I guess it's just because every time I've heard this, I've like heard that she ran off. That I've never given much thought to him actually offing. Yeah. But in I my mean, mind. I don't think from the information that was recovered and because it was in like the early 1900s and pretty easy for somebody to disappear at that time. Pretty sure that's what she did. But yeah, a lot of people, those are kind of the two main theories is that Ray Lamprier either killed her or she disappeared slash he helped her disappear. Because he was so madly in love with her. Yeah, I've always heard she disappeared, and it always gave me the heebie-jeebies because I know she was spotted almost a hundred years ago. But in my mind, like she escaped, so she's gonna live forever and haunt my dreams. Right. The last reported incident where they thought somebody um was her, she passed away in 1931 while awaiting trial mm. to find out if it was actually her or not. But uh, that is Belle Gunness. Well, Brunhild. No, she wasn't very nice. Yeah, I don't like her. The whole, like, we, we cover murderers. 
so like I'm cool with that. But the whole like what? the kids thing makes me want her to die a bunch of awful deaths. Yeah, and hopefully she did. I mean, we don't know that, but in my mind she has. But also in my mind she's still alive and haunting me. But so. she, uh, hello, I told you I was reincarnated. <laughs> You're the better version. I'm haunting you, Rag. Get better with age. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be at least two reincarnations. Boom. Since her. Yeah. Well, I'm on my second. Yeah, yeah, you're the second. <laughs> Numbers are hard. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Fascinating, infuriating, and terrifying. I'm sorry, it was choppy. I wrote my notes a long time ago and did not review them before we recorded. So that's you know. fine. I'm a master editor. It will only sound slightly choppy after I'm done. And with the 45 minute laugh break, <laughs> if we ever get around to releasing the bloopers. Since we started on Supervise, it's just going to be a bunch of coughing, burping, and laughing. Yes! I'm here. Yep. My beatboxer. But on that note, remember, (laughs) friends, everyone has something that they find odd. Let us tell you about it. If you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you can share them with us on any of our social medias. Links can be found on our website, theladiesofstrange.com. Or you can email them to us at theladiesofstrange at gmail.com. Or you can join our Discord. 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 And interact with Rebecca there because she's still on there. She is. Thankfully, she keeps the Discord. See, we divide, we conquer. Boom, baby. Yeah. Sorry, social media has been slacking, but we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll get there. Keep it strange. Lovely. Bye. (laughs) Bye.